welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. We've officially upgraded from newlyweds to married. I guess that happens after a year. Yeah, sorry. We're not newlyweds anymore. <laughs> uh, but we're still here. We're still reviewing movies. That and this week, it's Star Wars time again. Woo! That it is, that it is, and... Okay. Uh, we're, we're moving on to the sequel trilogy. Tell me your thoughts, Scott. Because I have thoughts, and I know you have thoughts. They're confusing thoughts, but we must talk them out together. Okay. I initially had it rated fairly highly. Before I watched it today, my initial rating was a 4.5. Um, I saw it in theaters. I was pumped. I was excited for what could come. It was like buying in again. Well, it's funny because this is exactly, I feel like, the conversation we had before we started in on the prequel trilogy. I think this movie overall is not bad. I, no. I don't not like it. No. But I think I think the hype took a hold on a lot of people. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, there hadn't been a Star Wars movie in like 10 years. So it's understandable why there would be hype. I remember seeing this in theater with you, and I remember really enjoying this. And again, it's not like I didn't enjoy watching it again. I think it had something to do as well with we know what comes after. We know that there are certain things that are set up in this movie that go absolutely nowhere, certain characters that go absolutely nowhere. So it's kind of like... I don't know. It was a weird feeling watching this. Yeah, I'm around the wishy-washy, like, oh, could, you know, love it, hate it. But I'm a little more on the positive side because it is still Star Wars. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, if, in case you're living under a rock. In case. In October of 2012, Lucasfilm, which is the production company that produced Star Wars. Yes. They were bought by Disney. Disney owns everyone. Listen, I'm a Disney nerd, so I'm not mad at it. I'm sure a lot of people are. It's fine. Leia's a Disney princess now, and that is cool with me. Yeah. This movie was directed by J.J. Abrams, who I am a fan of. He created Lost, therefore I love him. I have a hit or miss feeling with J.J. There are movies I like, there are movies I did. This movie obviously was a big deal. There were a lot of directors in the running to direct this movie, including. Oh, is this? Sorry, director no. could have been. No, we're not. No, we're no, not making this. No, a, no, we're, no. we're not making this a segment. <laughs> no, guys, I understand you're clamoring. Where's cast could have been? There hasn't been a cast could have been in fucking weeks of this fucking show. This is the only reason why I listen to this stupid-ass show. I understand your pain. I understand. But I I have nothing for you. What I do have (laughs) is some directors, (laughs) so that's gonna have to sustain you for the time being. But don't worry. Next week, Cass Kudovins will return. (laughs) Just let me know. So there were a a, a gaggle of directors who were considered for this film, including David Fincher, Ben Affleck, Guillermo del Toro, Brad Bird was in the running. I like Brad Bird. He directed such classics as The Iron Giant and The Incredibles. I know he's done those three movies. Has he done, like, outside of animation? He has, actually, Scott, because... Brad Bird was actually asked to do this movie, officially, ah. but he turned it down because he had already committed to filming another movie, Tomorrowland, Oh, which I haven't seen, no. but I heard it wasn't great. So, I mean, check it out on Disney+, Plus, I guess, if you haven't seen it, and find out for yourself. I'm not going to. I don't care enough. But, <laughs> okay, and the, there's one more director could have been. Matthew Vaughn, who is the director of such films as Kick-Ass and Kingsman, which I fucking love. Great. 
So Matthew Vaughn had entered into negotiations, actually, to direct the movie, but he eventually ended up declining. I guess you could say we broke up because of artistic differences. Isn't that always the way, kids? And this is something we're going to say a lot probably throughout the next three movies. There's merit in planning out your arc <laughs> if you're going to do a fucking trilogy. Plan it out beforehand, especially if it's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a trilogy. I mean, it kind of does. No, it doesn't. It kind of does, though. No. This does. This does. It didn't. It really did not have to be a trilogy. People would have rioted if it wasn't. No one would have fucking cared. Have you seen the internet? People care about everything. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Fuck me? No, it says the internet. Oh. I was going to say, how dare you, sir? This movie was written by Lawrence Kasdan, who has obviously shown up in Shoot the Flick before on our Star Wars episodes. He wrote Empire and Return of the Jedi. He's a seasoned Star Wars vet. Yes. And J.J. Abrams also wrote the screenplay, which is pretty obvious if you know J.J.'s work and you watch this movie. But what I did find interesting, there was another writer before they kind of took over. And he's been on Shoot the Flick before. Oh, really? Oh, yes. A Mr. Michael Arndt was working on a script for eight months. Michael Arndt was a writer on such films as Toy Story 3 and a little film that we reviewed, Little Miss Sunshine. Ah, I see, I see. He wrote a script that was based on an abandoned outline by George Lucas which focused on Luke and Leia and Han's kids, and they were all the main characters. It sounds very interesting. It does. But the script was rejected. They had J.J. and Kasdan take over, and they completed the first draft of this script in six weeks. So Okay, first draft. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, okay, but like, this guy, Michael Arndt, took eight months. So clearly he was... Giving it love and care is my point. Not that JJ didn't give a shit about it, but like, let's be honest, the script for this movie has 0% risk. It's playing it completely safe. It's basically like fanfic script of Star Wars. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things that are a little wonky, to say the least. Despite that, luckily, we do have a Mr. John Williams returning for the score. And it's still great. It is still great. It's a lot of the same stuff from the original movies, but it is still great. It's got a little twist on it. Some of, like, the Imperial March does come back at some points, but it's a little twist on it. This movie got a lot of love, as I said before. It won AFI Movie of the Year. It was the third movie in history to reach $2 billion after Avatar and Titanic. It held the record for most viewed movie trailer on YouTube in 24 hours with 112 million views until the following year when it was surpassed by Fifty Shades Darker. Jesus Christ. So just let that sink in. I don't make love. I fuck. Hard. God, there so, are a lot of thirsty moms out there. So, ew. Anyway, of course, because I have to mention the Oscars, this film was nominated for not one, not two, not three, not four, but five Oscars in 2016. Nice. So it was nominated for score. John Williams was nominated. That was his 50th nomination, by the way. <laughs> 50th nomination. But he lost to The Hateful Eight. That was a good score. Which was an awesome score, gotta be fair. It was nominated for visual effects. Shocker. But lost to Ex Machina. Okay, yeah. And then it was nominated for film editing, sound mixing, and sound editing, and it lost all of those to Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Once, I was a cop, a road warrior searching for a righteous cause. As the world fell, each of us in our own way was broken. It was hard to know who was more crazy, me or everyone else. This film got a lot of praise from audiences and critics. I also changed my original rating. I had this as a three and a half, and I changed it. We're not going to say what we changed it to yet. We'll wait till the end, because we want to give you guys something to 
think about yeah, <laughs> while, while we're to. yammering on. But yeah, I think I think we can get into the nitty gritty here. Okay. I think we're ready. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we start this off with the crawl. So in this crawl, we find out Luke is missing. And Leia's looking for him. Oh, and the First Order has arisen from the ashes of the Empire. Yes, it's not the Empire anymore. It's the First Order, which, okay, it's basically the same thing, so why not? We start off with a First Order ship blocks the light off this planet. It's, a, again... It is a cool shot. It's a cool shot. It's a shot we've seen before, yes. just done a little differently, but it still looks cool. You can definitely tell that CGI and visual effects have vastly improved since the early 2000s when they did the prequels, so that's a plus anyway. We get a shot of BB-8. Woo! BB-8! BB-8's cute. BB-8's cute, and I think they did a good job with making BB-8 able to, like, move his head. Yeah. Based on my research regarding BB-8, they wanted to give him a personality. They wanted to kind of make him... I mean, he's basically like the R2-D2 stand-in of this movie, let's be real. He has kind of the same shtick as R2, where he has a little bit of sass, and he does his little beeps and boops. He is puppeteered by a Mr. Brian Herring and Mr. Dave Chapman, and... He's voiced by Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz. Bill Hader, obviously, uh, he was a big player on SNL for a long time. He's been in a bunch of movies. Ben Schwartz, he just recently voiced Sonic in that new Sonic movie. And also, I know him as that annoying guy from Parks and Rec, Jean Ralphio. Oh, yeah! She's my sister, my twin sister from the same mister. Thank you so much for hiring Mona Lisa. It means so much to me, even though honestly she is the worst. She is the worst person in the world. Huge skank, terrible, but thank you. It means a lot. From what I understand, they had them write dialogue for BB-8 and then they went over it with beeps and boops. And I think they did some work with voice synthesizers too to try to get them to do beeps and boops. Well, not only that, it's just the way the puppet moves. Because R2, I love R2, but R2 only communicates really in beeps and boops and shocking people. Yes, which BB-8 does too. BB-8 does that too, but BB-8, the head tilts forward, it like adds a little more oomph to the beeps and boops. So we also know that Poe, and this is our introduction to Oscar Isaac's Poe. I love Oscar Isaac. He's He's wasted in this franchise, by the way. Fucking wasted. He's such a good actor. He's great in, like, these little independent things that I think allow him to act. The two big blockbusters he's done, Star Wars and he was in X-Men, they've fallen flat because they failed to make a good movie around him. Yeah. So he's having a secret meeting with... Laura Sanpeka, who is played by Max von Sydow. I recognized him immediately, but I couldn't remember where I knew him from. He played the Three-Eyed Raven in Game of Thrones. That's, like, more recent. He was in Judge Dredd, I think. Yes, he was. And he was in Flash Gordon. Yes, he was in that, too. So, yeah, he's a seasoned actor. Yeah. So, he gives Poe a little chip and goes, Here is the location to Luke Skywalker. You need to get this to Princess Leia. As Poe grabs the chip, the First Order starts coming to attack. And Poe's trying to escape on his ship. His ship gets damaged. So he gives the chip to BB-8 and he goes, Go! Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only... Oh, wait. No, no, sorry. No, Wrong movie. Wrong. I, how could I possibly be getting those two things confused? So, as this is going on, there's a small little battle going on behind him. He's shooting some stormtroopers. And now a random stormtrooper gets shot. Falls down. Gets grabbed by another stormtrooper. In a cool shot, he takes blood off himself and, like, handprints blood slide down his helmet. And that stormtrooper starts freaking out. 
And basically, it's a cool way to like be able to distinguish this person is going to matter because you need to know that this person is this person. So we're going to smear him with blood. So now Poe's kind of fighting people off. And who comes and lands? Kylo Ren. Cue evil music. Kylo Ren is played by Adam Driver, and we love Adam Driver. His scenes in this movie were one of the few parts that did not frustrate me, because I actually like his arc throughout this trilogy. I enjoy Kylo Ren. Yeah, I can't say I'm mad at him. He does a great job. So Kylo walks down, and the old man gets brought out to him. He goes, where's the chip? So we can have Luke Skywalker's location. And the guy goes, you fell to the dark side. You won't get the chip. And Kylo fucking slaughters him. This causes, of course, Poe to shoot a blaster rifle at him from the shadows. And Kylo stops the fucking blaster bolt in midair. It's so cool. Yeah, that was a cool shot. I like that. And then, like, the troopers grab him and, like, take him away. And you could still see the bolt from his gun, like hanging in the air and he's just looking at it like what the fuck (laughs) yeah he then orders the rest of the stormtroopers to kill the rest of the village because you know the first order in the empire are evil every villain is lemons otherwise known as evil what can we do when will this crime wave end how will we defeat the evil why am i asking you all these questions like they want the map to find luke okay but he's been gone for so long obviously based on what we've learned so far so like why do you want to find him so bad you're clearly doing fine with your evil empire now that he's he's vanished so i don't know well that whole thing with the republic the First Order, and the Rebellion makes no sense. But, oh boy. Anyway, we're, we're only like ten minutes in. So, right. uh, he orders them to kill the village. So, the one Stormtrooper does not do it. It's the same Stormtrooper that has blood on his helmet. Yeah, and Kylo Ren sees him, and he's like, You done fucked up now! Then as Kylo turns to go back in the ship, he lets the blaster bolt go, and it just shoots off into the distance. It was cool. The other Stormtrooper with the blood on his helmet, gets yelled at by a silver stormtrooper who we learn is Captain Phasma. Who, again, is another character in this franchise that is underused, played by an actress who is very, very talented. Her name is Gwendolyn Christie, and she was also in Game of Thrones. She played Brienne of Tarth, who I love. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's why you need to plan your fucking trilogy. (laughs) Of time. The other thing, she was built up so much. She was like the Boba Fett of this series. Yeah, she really was. So she yells at this stormtrooper that he has to bring his gun in and get reconditioned. Yes, because stormtroopers aren't like clones anymore. They are children who were stolen away from their families as babies and like brainwashed into being stormtroopers. Which well, is a cool concept. I like that. During all this, we now cut over to Ray, who is scavenging parts from an Imperial Star Destroyer. Yes, we meet Ray, who's played by Daisy Ridley. A lot of people had a problem with her character. I didn't, personally. They call her, like, a Mary Sue and all that stuff. As we watch this movie, there are times she does things where you're like, hmm... That seems a little too advanced for where you should be right now. Yeah, but I just, I feel like it's nothing more egregious than any other crazy action movie. Oh. Or even more than Luke in the original trilogy. The, very true, but she also does things that clearly show she's a novice, too. Right. So, it kind of balances out. She is basically stealing scraps for food on the planet of Jakku. She also lives in an ATAT. Yeah, this movie is like Callback City all day. I feel like they kind of neglected character development for the sake of doing callbacks and letting the audience know, okay, this is Star Wars, we're here. Like, 
it's okay. You're safe here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So we then cut back to Poe is strapped to a chair. And Kylo Ren is torturing him to find out where the information is. He wants that map. And he uses the force. He tortures Poe a little bit and he gets it that the information's in the droid. So send the people back to Jakku. Yeah, and he, he tells his, I guess he's an underling, General Hux. He's, he's supposed to be our uh, Tarkin. And he's played by Donald Gleason, who I actually really love. Hux, I feel like, again, is a character that could have been something really interesting, but kind of was just relegated to shitty underling. Yeah, so Ray hears BB-8 and saves him from being scrapped by another scrapper. BB-8 talks himself into being Ray's friend. Oh, yes, he has his cute little beeps and boops. It is cute. Like, okay, I'm coming with you. Now we cut back to the stormtrooper comes into Poe's torture chamber and decides, okay, you're coming with me. We gotta go. He had taken off his helmet and revealed his beautiful face, the face of John Boyega. Oh, yeah. Handsome, handsome man. Again, another actor who was great, who was wasted in this franchise. John Boyega sets Poe free and goes, okay, I'm breaking you out of here. He's like, can you fly a TIE fighter? Poe's like, yes, I can. God damn it. Let's go. And then they get the TIE fighter and off they go. And they just barely escape. They get some gunfire thrown yeah. at them, but they, they, they make it out. While they're in the ship, Poe yells over to the stormtrooper and is like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, FN1276242. Poe's like, oh, no, I don't, I'm not calling you that. Uh, FN, huh? Finn, I'm going to call you Finn. Is that okay? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, oh, like they have a cute little bromance thing going on. And I'm like, oh, Poe named him. Oh, how cute. So our stormtrooper defector is Finn. So they get shot down onto Jakku. And right before they get shot down, Poe looks at Finn and goes, hey, we have to get my droid. He's this little orange and white ball. And he has the map to Luke Skywalker. And Finn's like, Are you kidding me? Basically establishing that he doesn't give a fuck about the Resistance. He just wants to get away from these people that have basically kidnapped him. So they crash onto Jakku. And Finn gets shot from the TIE fighter. And he looks around. Poe's nowhere to be found. Right as uh, Finn is getting on his feet. He looks over at the TIE fighter. He thinks Poe is still inside, and he sees his jacket. He grabs his jacket, and as soon as he does, the TIE fighter completely sinks into the sand and explodes. <laughs> I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. So now Finn starts walking through the desert. BB-8 is there with Ray, and BB-8 happens to look over and see... Finn in Poe's jacket and he's like that motherfucker stole my master's jacket. He's a thief. Get him, Ray. And Ray chases him and eventually like tackles him to the ground and Finn basically tells him what just happened. I tried to help Poe escape the First Order and we crashed and he didn't make it. He also states he is part of the Resistance. Oh, yes, because Ray is, like, all Twitter padded. She's like, I've never met a Resistance guy before. And he's like, ooh, hot chick. Uh, yeah, no, I'm part of the Resistance. Oh, yeah, baby. He gets them on his side, and then he he starts hearing the TIE fighters coming. And the stormtroopers are there, and they start shooting at them. Because they want that droid. And he keeps grabbing Daisy Ridley's hand. And mm -hmm. Daisy Ridley's like, can you stop grabbing my hand? Yeah, there's a lot of um, basic watered-down comedy in this. It almost feels like a sitcom a little bit sometimes. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it's, like, super cheesy, and it just doesn't, like, it falls flat. So they're trying to run away. They kind of get cornered. and like, quick, we'll grab that garbage ship. And what is the garbage ship? <gasps> the Millennium Falcon! Yay! 
So they get on the Falcon. And it is a really cool moment because they just, they're running. And you don't see the Falcon at all. They're running. And he's like, oh, let's just get on that ship. And Ray's like, that's a piece of junk. And then whatever ship they were running to gets blown up. So she's like, ah, okay, I guess the garbage ship will do. And they run and pans over and you see the Falcon. And you're like, ah. <laughs> so it's definitely a good fan service moment. Yeah. Ray's not a perfect pilot. She's actually crashing into the ground a bit. She can't get the landing gear up. But she's being chased by two TIE fighters as John Boyega starts shooting at them from where Han shot during the original trilogy. And Ray does this move where she like shuts off the engine and gives John Boyega a perfect shot at one at the last TIE fighter to get them away. So now they fly off in the Millennium Falcon. Ray's trying to fix the ship and BB-8 is saying that he has to get back to the base. Finn's like, okay, BB-8, tell her I'm part of the Resistance and that we have to go to this base. I'll get you there, don't worry, just tell her I'm part of the Resistance. I need to get some pussy. <laughs> BB-8, help a brother out. <laughs> so BB-8 tells Ray where the Resistance base is, right as they're like fixing the ship and getting ready to go. They get swallowed into a larger ship. They hide off. But who walks in the door, Frankie? <gasps> Han and Chewie! Yay! Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford, yeah, of straight. course. And Chewie, in this movie, was credited as being played by the original actor, Peter Mayhew. But it's it's kind of unclear how involved he was in this particular movie, because he has a double who was a Mr. Junis Suotamo. He's a former Finnish basketball player, and he was casted as Chewie's body double for this movie, but then in this uh, next two movies, he just is Chewie outright. Makes sense. So Han comes in with Chewie. And he gives us our first trailer line. Oh, yes. Basically, 90% of Han's dialogue in this is trailer quotes. Chewie. We're home. Very schmaltzy, but it's also nice at the same time. It, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. But, fun fact, Han Solo was paid a whopping $25 million for his role in this film. So, he really didn't want to come back to do Star Wars, but they offered him all of that money. So how could he say no? It's funny because we, we brought this up too while we were watching the movie. There's a difference between Harrison Ford, who clearly does not want to be there, and Bruce Willis when Bruce Willis does not want to be there. Yeah, he's definitely like an actor. He at least cares enough about his reputation to be like, I'm not just going to phone it in. You can tell watching him in this movie, that's Han. Yeah. So, they find their stowaways. Han points a gun at them. They tell Han, we have to get this robot back to the Resistance. It has the location of Luke Skywalker. And that stops Han in his tracks. Yeah, and they're like, did you know him, Luke Skywalker? And he's like, yeah, I knew him. And it's like, oh, you can, you can feel it. You're like, oh, they're buddies. He misses his buddy. <laughs> this movie in the timeline, is set 30 years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Yes. So a lot's happened in 30 years. You can tell he still loves Luke, but something has gone down. Like, you can just tell just from, like, looking at his face. So, they realize people are coming to collect money from Han, because Han always owes people money. So these gangs of people come in on both sides, surrounding Han. They kind of go through this game-by-numbers fight sequence. Ray releases these creatures. The creatures are eating other people, and then the, the creature grabs Finn, and doesn't eat Finn, just kind of grabs him and starts dragging him along. And then Ray closes the door and, like, saves him and cuts off its tentacles. So eventually they all get out of here in one piece, and there was one lonely gang member left alive. And you can see him calling on, like, a radio saying, like, hey, alert the First Order. 
the droid they're looking for is with Han Solo. Yeah. This leads us to our first meeting with Snoke and Kylo and Hawks. Yes, Snoke is like our Emperor Palpatine of this movie. He's like the big bad that is built up so much in this movie. But he is played by Andy Serkis. He's a big CGI character. Uh, literally, he's like this giant projection of a creepy alien headman. He tells Hawks to go get the weapon ready. Yeah, so Snoke is talking to Kylo Ren, and he mentions Han Solo, and that Han Solo is his father! Da-da-da! What a twist! And Kylo Ren's like, ah, oh, he means nothing to me. Don't worry about it. I can, I can handle Han Solo. So then... Chewie got shot during their escape, so Finn is bandaging up Chewie, and Han is co-piloting with Rey... And they're bonding. Oh yes, they're they're bonding so hard <laughs> because Han is flying and Ray is very knowledgeable of mechanical things because she's a scrap person and he's very impressed with her knowledge and they're flying around with the greatest of ease. So they decide they're gonna go see Maz Kanada and she'll help them. Another CGI character played by Lupita Nyong'o. So, yet another amazing actor <laughs> is wasted. Yeah, so they land on Maz's planet. Maz Kanata is essentially this film's attempt at a Yoda character. Very wise, old, tiny, alien-like character. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. The belonging you seek is not behind you. It is ahead. Yeah, so they land on Maz's planet, and Han goes to Rey and goes, Hey, you were pretty good back there. You want a job? And Rey is like, Oh, that would be great, but, you know, I have to go back to Jakku because I'm waiting for someone. Basically, she's like the Annie of, of uh, Star Wars universe. Won't you please come get your baby? waiting at the orphanage for her parents to return so yeah th that kind of is a qu very quick and hasty establishment of Khan and Ray having this bond so they go to Maz's place which is this cool shot of this fucking like building with all these flags including like Mandalorian flags and all these fucking different Star Wars races it's uh, basically, again, another Star Wars retread of the cantina scene. So, speaking of that, I have fun facts. Oh, you have fun facts. As I mentioned before, John Williams did the score for this film. But, when we get to the cantina scene, there is some music playing. That was not done by John Williams. <gasps> See, John Williams said that he did not want to compose the cantina songs. Because he wanted to focus on the orchestral score. So what did they do, J.J. Abrams and, and company? They hired one of the best composers of our generation, I think. Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> they hired him to vocalize and compose two songs for this film. And that he did. He wrote and vocalized the songs entitled Jabba Flow. And Dobra Doomba. Which I found hilarious that Lin-Manuel Miranda is now officially a part of the Star Wars universe. And I was very happy to hear his voice in this movie. So, Han, Finn... BB-8 and Ray walk into Maz Kanada's bar, and Maz calls out, Han Solo! And everyone just goes dead silent, <laughs> because Han Solo is the shit. And uh, she brings them all in, she goes, ah, if you're here, that means you want something from me. Fair. Han's like, yeah, yeah, we need to get destroyed to the Resistance, and she goes, why don't you go to the Resistance and go home? Yeah, why don't you go to, you know, Leia and give it to her yourself? And he's like, 
Leia doesn't want to see me. And you're like, what is that? What the fuck is that? And Finn's like, okay, don't care about getting to the resistance. I need to get the fuck out of here. She goes, ah, you look like a guy who just wants to run. And he goes, yeah, the First Order will kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, so Finn is like, it's been real, bye. And he walks off. Ray goes after him. And Maz Kanata looks at Han like, what's with this girl? <laughs> it's like she, almost like she senses like something is particularly interesting with her. Oh, she also asks, where's my boyfriend? Where's oh, Chewie? Yes. She wants to know where Chewie is. And like, same girl. I, I love Chewie. Who doesn't love a big puppy dog? So Finn talks to Ray. He's like, I you know what? I was a stormtrooper. I'm not part of the resistance. I don't want to deal with you. They're going to kill us all. Come with me. Let's go to the outer rim. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, see, this is what pisses me off. Because they built Finn up. Like, he was going to be a real character. Like, in this movie, he's a real character. They develop him pretty well. Because he starts out not giving a shit about the Resistance, but he cares about Rey because he says to her in this scene, like, you looked at me in a way no one else has. Because he spent his whole life as a stormtrooper being conditioned to just follow orders and kill and war, war, war. And then Ray is the first person that looked at him like he was a real person. So he really cares about her and he wants to help her. But then as the movie goes on, he cares more about the resistance. It's annoying because he could have been a really interesting, compelling character. Yeah. So Finn walks out and Ray starts hearing voices. Oh, jeez. Turns out, Os Kanata somehow got a hold of Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Where'd you get that? A good question for another time. <laughs> Are, you Are you kidding me? They say that in the movie. It's literally like J.J. Abrams wanted Luke Skywalker's lightsaber to be there, but he didn't know how to make it get there. So he's just like, ah, we'll leave it for the next person to figure it out. So Maz Kanata has the lightsaber locked up somewhere in the crevices of her place. Fucking Ray hears voices calling to it, and she finds it. And the second she touches it, she has a weird fucking vision of Luke and the Knights of Ren. Who are the Knights of Ren? You may ask. Don't don't worry about it because it's never addressed in this fucking franchise. Literally, the Knights of Ren are supposed to be like Kylo Ren's minions, and. It never comes to fruition. Yeah, I would have liked... Because there, there was a big rumor going around that the Knights of Ren were actually the characters from Rogue One because they had some similar stances and stuff. And I'm like, that would have been a cool like little concept if they actually fought ahead that far. She So she, yeah, she gets all these things. She freaks out a little and runs away. And Maz Kanata has her like Yoda moment with her. She like pulls her aside and she's like... That lightsaber was Luke's and his father's before him and now it calls to you heavily implying that okay so what you're trying to say is that she's a Skywalker right that's what you're trying to say is uh, that what you're saying is that what you're saying Mas Kanata fucking ridiculous <laughs> why didn't they it just seems like common sense if you're going to buy a fucking franchise like star wars for a bajillion dollars and reboot it you'd think you'd want to like map out what you're gonna do yeah you figured but, but they didn't do anything no they didn't uh, it's so upsetting so she they just figured we'd all fucking flock to the movie theaters like yeah. sheep <laughs> and we did <laughs> we did so she runs to the woods. Because at this point, she's starting to get the... She can't go she back She has some to... kind of force yeah. sensitivity, let's put it that yeah. way. And there's, you know, no turning back. It's like, I gotta get back to Jakku. And Maz Kanata's like, oh, honey, I think you know they're not coming back. And she starts crying because, like, search your feelings. You know it to be true, that whole thing, you know? So she runs off into the woods. BBA follows her. And then we cut to General Hux delivering his evil speech from Starkiller Base. What Starkiller Base, you may ask? Why, it's the Death Star. No, I, I don't mean that jokingly. 
It's the Death Star. They literally say in the movie, it's like the Death Star, but bigger. Bigger, badder, and uncut. <laughs> so this is where the fucking First Order starts attacking. Finn gets handed the lightsaber. Like Scott was saying when we were watching it, like, you've never really seen anyone that's not a Sith or a Jedi use a lightsaber. At least not in the main series. Yeah. I think it does happen in the games once or twice. So that was cool. And then one of the stormtroopers calls him a traitor. And there's like a cool shot that's from the trailer that you just see him pull up the blue lightsaber and be like, yeah, bitch, I'm coming. And then they fight. And that's cool. And then Ray is like shooting at a whole bunch of stormtroopers in the forest. And then all of a sudden Kylo Ren emerges from the trees with his fucking cool ass lightsaber and she starts shooting at him and he's deflecting every fucking shot and then he uses the force to like pull her arm down and she's like frozen in place. Kylo basically goes, okay, where's the droid? And he starts reading her mind and she go, he goes, you've seen the map. Okay, we don't need the droid anymore. Let's get out of here. Yeah, and he, like, knocks her out, carries her out. During this time, Finn, Han, and Chewie have been captured. They're being taken to what looks like they're going to be killed. But suddenly, the rebellion comes. Woo! And you see Poe flying in his ship, leading the battalion to save them. And it's cool because at this point you thought Poe was dead, but then you just see him like on screen and you're like, oh, he's alive. Cool. So then the guys get freed and Han looks over and sees Kylo Ren carrying Rey into his ship. And he's like, just the look on his face, he, you know, you can yeah. tell he's like, oh, fuck. Then you see Finn seeing the same thing and he is running to her, like, screaming, Ray, Ray! Mind you, just as an aside, the amount of times that Finn screams, like, huskily Ray's name in this movie. Ray! Finn! Ray! Luigi! Daisy! Luigi? Daisy! Uh, we have friends on Twitter called Film on the Rocks, and they do drinking games with movies. Oh my god, we were joking. If this was oh, a drinking yeah. game, we'd be dead. Oh, guys, make it happen. <laughs> Seriously, it'll kill you. <laughs> it's like guttural. It's like, how do you... she can't hear you. They're very far away. They're in the sky. <laughs> Where is she? Oh my god, no. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, Han sees the ship land. And who comes out of this landing ship? Leia! My queen, Leia! Leia comes out. Han walks over to her. They stare at each other they for a quite second. an awkward moment. But, like, you can still feel the chemistry between them. Oh, and then we also get fucking C-3PO. Because, okay. We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. Oh my god. C-3PO, you're such a cock block all the time. Stop oh it. God. It's still played by Anthony Daniels, and he still insists on wearing the costume. And he doesn't do anything in this. He's just there to be there because Star Wars. So Han and Leia have this like very awkward reunion, and Han tells her, I saw our son. And it's like, oh. You feel the feels in that moment a little bit. So now they fly back to the Rebel base, and Poe and Finn see each other. Yeah, they have a nice little romantic reunion. That was sweet. Poe's like, hey, and that's my jacket. And Finn's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it back. He's like, no, 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 no. It suits you. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Well, yeah, and they had that giant man hug. Uh, General Leia meets Finn for the first time. And she's like, we will save your little girlfriend but first, you must tell us everything you know about the fucking First Order. BB-8 finds a droid covered with a sheet. So he pulls the sheet off. And what what droid happens to be there, Scott? What droid have we not seen yet? R2 motherfucking D2. Oh, but unfortunately, R2-D2 is powered down for reasons. C-3PO just says, oh, he hasn't been working since Luke went away. Why? Why doesn't he work? 
Was he powered by Luke's mojo? It doesn't make any sense. But R2-D2. R2-D2 is here, guys. Fun fact about R2-D2, actually. Kenny Baker, who was the original little person that was in R2-D2 in the original trilogy, he actually was a consultant on this film. He wasn't actually in R2-D2. An actor by the name of Jimmy V was in the in the suit. However, despite the fact that Kenny Baker was involved in this movie as a consultant, he did unfortunately pass away before this movie was released. So that's a sad story. But um, it is kind of legendary how he made this character his own. So rest in peace to Kenny Baker. And yes. The, the character still lives on. He's the savior of the galaxy. So we cut to Kylo, who is now trying to torture the information out of Bray. This is a good scene between the two of them. He's trying to read their mind. She starts blocking him at some point, And then she reads his fucking mind and says, You're afraid. That you will never be as strong as Darth Vader. Dun, dun, dun. It's established in this film that Darth Vader is Kylo Ren's idol. And... He has a melted, like, broken-down version of Darth Vader's helmet that he talks to. Kylo Ren is very similar to Anakin in that he is very easily, like... Provoked. Provoked and manipulated, and he has a very immature way of behaving. Yeah, we early on in the movie, he snaps and starts beating this bunch of computers with a lightsaber. Yeah. And that's why I like his development, because I feel like by the end, he does develop as a character and evolve. Yeah. So Kylo freaks out at Rey not being able to resist him. And he goes right to Snoke and goes, she's stronger than she knows. I can teach her. And Snoke goes, okay, bring her to me. (laughs) So he leaves Rey alone with a single stormtrooper, played by Daniel Craig. The name's Bond. James Bond. Ray starts using her now fully discovered Jedi mind trick that takes her three times to perfect. And she gets the stormtrooper to drop his weapon and let her basically walk out the door. This causes Kylo to come back, see an empty chair, and Kylo flips out and destroys the chair. Yeah, they have another like sitcom moment where like He's in the room, like, smashing everything with a lightsaber and, like, making sparks fly everywhere and, you know, boom, boom, explosions and such. And there are two stormtroopers walking in the hallway right outside. As soon as they see it, they stop dead and slowly back away. And it's like, okay, that's... okay. (laughs) So now we come back to the Resistance, who are talking about Starkiller base. They decide Han's going to take Finn and Chewie to Starkiller base... And let down the shield to let everybody in. Yeah, so they can destroy the circular base and save the girl. Yes. As they're packing up to leave, Leia walks over to Han and's like, You know, no matter how much we fought, I've always hated watching you leave. That's why I did it. So you'd miss me. And they say their goodbyes, and it's just a really sweet moment. But before this... They have another conversation. Basically, any conversation that Han and Leia have in this movie, I'm, like, down for because they're, like, legit. So they talk about their son, Ben, who is also known as Kylo Ren. And they say, basically, how Luke was training him and he was tempted to the dark side by Snoke. And that's why Luke went away, because he was ashamed of what happened with Ben Han Solo believes that their son is gone. Like, there's no bringing him back. Yeah, he can't look at Leia without seeing their son. And Leia's like, no, I I don't want to forget him. I want him back. Like, he, he come home. Like, we can still fix this and bring our son home. There's still good in him. Yeah. And you can tell that Han wants to believe that his son can still come home. That's, like, the heart of this movie. This relationship with Han and Leia and their son and him being stuck between the dark and the light. So Han, Chewie, and Finn leave 
to save Ray. Yeah. Yeah, they do this whole big thing where they jump to light speed to go through the shield in light speed and turn off light speed at the last second before hitting the planet. The idea sounds really cool, but would be really hard to freaking execute. But he's Han Solo. He is Han Solo. And uh, they crash land onto the Star Killer base. And now they're like about to break in and they go, okay, Finn, what did you used to do here? Oh, I was part of sanitation. What? <laughs> I thought you said you knew how to like turn off the fucking shields. And he's like, oh, I don't. I just said that because I needed to come here and save Ray. And he's like, you fucking idiot. The galaxy is coming on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. <laughs> oh, really? You're cold? That one, that one was kind of funny because it's chewy. So they break into the base. And Chewie clotheslines Captain Phasma. And they get Captain Phasma to let down the shields. So Poe and his crew start flying in and trying to attack. Hux notices them, so they start a fight, and now they're fighting TIE Fighters. You could say that they were starting a Star War. They finally catch up with Rey. They have a very uh, sweet reunion. Yeah, like, oh, Rey, oh, Finn, oh, God, oh, yes, Daisy... I'm sorry. Luigi! (laughs) (laughs) So, they decide we're going to blow up the inside of the base to give our guys some help. And Han sees Kylo. He sees Ben. And this scene, oh my god, you guys. Han screams, Ben! Just, Just the shout. Just him shouting, Ben. You feel it. You feel it in your heart and your soul, man. Like, oh, it's good. And then they're on the bridge and the lighting is pretty damn sick in this scene as well. This is one of the scenes that really held up. Yeah. Han is like, you still, you, you can just come home with me now. I'll help you any way I'll I can. I'll help you. Just come home with me. Your mom misses you. I miss you. Come home. Kylo Ren says, I'm being torn apart. I want to be free of this pain. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Can you help me? Yes, anything. As Ray and Finn and Chewie are all standing there, Kylo Ren just unsheaths his lightsaber right into his father's chest. And everyone's screaming, and it's just a fucking huge, intense moment. And finally, after fucking a million bajillion years... Of fucking Harrison Ford begging to die. That's what I was gonna get to. He finally got what he wanted, Harrison Ford, and he got killed off. (laughs) And he falls off the bridge, and it's just, oh, you you feel it. You feel it in your guts. Yeah, and Chewie lets off a shot with his bowcaster and catches Kylo in the stomach. Poe and his group bomb... Starkiller base and start destroying it. Ray and Finn run into the snowy forest where they are met by Kylo Ren. He knocks out Daisy Ridley by force pushing her into a tree. And John Boyega ignites his lightsaber and he looks at him and goes, That's mine. So they start fighting, and for a minute or two, Finn, he actually holds his own. Well, I always like to bring this up because there's a big thing here. You can clearly tell just by the way Adam Driver is moving. In both of these fights, the first one with Finn and the next one with Ray, he doesn't take Finn seriously. He's a stormtrooper who's, this is, to his knowledge, the first time he's probably ever held a lightsaber. He's swinging with one arm. He's moving very, almost leisurely through this fight. And then once Finn gets the shot, he takes it a little more seriously and fucking blows him back and knocks the lightsaber out of his hand and then fucking slashes Finn across the back like he's trying to kill him. So now the lightsaber is in the ground. He reaches the force, grab it into his hand, and the lightsaber shoots past him and into fucking Ray's hand. That was a good moment, I think. It's definitely like... A cookie cutter beat for this type of movie the big boss fight at the end and you have that one intense moment where the hero is raring to go you know 
but it still works. So now they have a fight. Kylo is getting the upper hand, and he looks down at Rey as their blades like connected together, and he goes, "I can teach you the ways of the Force." And then Rey gets like her second win. She like she focuses, and then she starts knocking Kylo back, slashes him across the face, and kicks him to the floor. It's a good fight. Again, I argue with the whole people like, oh, she's too good. Kylo wasn't trying to kill her. He clearly made yeah. that point. And also, he's wounded. He's so. wounded. He's not 100% either. Uh, Hux tells Snoke the planet's blowing up. Snoke tells him to go get Kylo. They get away. Rey gets on the Millennium Falcon with Finn and Chewie. And they get away. And Starkiller base blows up. So they all get back to the base. The Millennium Falcon lands. Leia's walking towards it. Chewie walks right next to her, right by her. And she hugs Rey. Who she never actually met up until this point. So it's like, why? Han Solo just died. Chewie, his BFF for like ever. Who you also know. You both love this man. Yeah, it just walks by and you don't even acknowledge him. Yeah, it, it's a little weird. Finn gets taken to the hospital. He's unconscious. That's how he ends the movie, uh, unconscious. R2-D2 wakes up miraculously. Oh, yes, for no reason. Just, okay. BB-8's piece of the map melds with R2-D2's piece of the map. And the map is complete. And now we can find Luke. So Ray and Chewie get in the Millennium Falcon and fly to this fucking planet. And Ray is climbing this mountain, and she climbs the tippy top of this mountain, and we find who at the tippy top of the mountain? A hooded Luke Skywalker with a beard. I like that whole that whole sequence was cool. Yeah, Ray reaches his lightsaber out to him, and that's the movie. Yeah, that was the Force Awakens. It was. So, I have mixed feelings. Yeah. And the thing is, I feel like it's... I don't know if it's 100% fair, because I feel like it's hard to judge this movie yeah. on its own now. I almost feel like we... I wish we had a third person here that had only seen The Force Awakens. Yeah. That's almost what you need to judge this movie fairly. So, Scott, your rating before re-watching this film was a four and a half. Yes. Five. What was your rating this time? It fell a full star and it dropped to a three and a half. Okay. My rating before was a three and a half as well, but I dropped down to a three. Because I still do like this movie, but I feel like I hyped it up a lot in my head that it was a lot better than it was. I said while we were watching this, it's almost like, like a fan film. Yeah. A lot of the time. Because it's just so basic and it doesn't take any risks whatsoever but at the same time on the other side of the coin i understand why they did that because there hasn't been a star wars movie in 10 years and they wanted to establish that like star wars is back yeah again there were a lot of seeds that were planted here that never come to fruition throughout the rest of the series or even in this movie there's some things that get dropped fairly quickly I would have liked to seen where they would have gone with them. Yeah, there's like good ideas in this as well as good actors, but they're all just watered down and just wasted. Even with all that, all the negative things we have said about this, there are still good things. There's still some fun to be had exactly. with this movie. So that was Force Awakens. Yay! Yay! Next week, Frankie will be introducing me to a movie. Yay! I'm excited for you to watch this. Oh, God. Guys, guys, you won't believe it. You know how I made him watch Moulin Rouge and I made him kind of like it? Guys, this is another musical. Get ready for round two. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast, and I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Skywalker. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick, and also check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week 
to watch Scott suffer through another musical. Yay! What about Scott's solo? No. Just no. Bata <laughs> <laughs> 